following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. morning with our readings. I ask that you would join me as we read these passages from Isaiah in the book of Matthew together. From Isaiah chapter 55, let us join together. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So last week, we talked about trusting the promises of Jesus. We're talking about discipleship. And we say a disciple is a person who trusts the promises of Jesus and seeks to follow him. So we're breaking this down into trusting, seeking, and following. Last week, we talked about trusting, and we talked about how the promises of Jesus are the fuel. Right, we talked about our dream cars. We said, well, to have that dream car, we need the fuel that goes into it to make it go. And that is justification, Jesus for us. But we also now look and we say, okay, I trust, but also I seek after him. I can't imagine life in certain ways anymore. And one of the ways I can't imagine it anymore is pulling out a map. For those of you who don't know, a map is a piece of paper. It has, sometimes it's topographical. That's how high things are. Sometimes it's just roads. You used to, like, it like, didn't talk to you. You had to look and, like, read road signs. It was strange. But I, I was thinking the other day, even when Chelsea and I, we love going to national parks, um, we love going out and seeing and being out of doors, but even when we do those hikes, I have an app on my phone called All Trails. Now, All Trails for me uh, is not just about where we're going, but it actually has, if you have good enough cell service, it has and will show you where you are on the hike. Now, for most of you, you'd be like, that's great. I can see how far I am. For Teddy D, what that means is how many more switchbacks do I have to climb on this godforsaken trail before we get to the view? I'm sucking wind going, dragging my finger along the topographic thing to go, oh, we have to go up 100 more feet, right? Like, but even when I go out to hike a trail with Chelsea, I pull out my phone to do it. I installed a new radio in my car uh, two years ago. And one of the main reasons I wanted to do it was it was this new radio that had Apple CarPlay, which means I plug in my phone and I can see my maps. 
because I was tired of not being able to just hear, and all of a sudden I'm past the turn because Siri decided to tell me about it like, you know, 100 yards past it. I'm so glad that I live in this era because I remember being on Atlas duty with my dad on long road trips. If you were in the front seat, you had the Atlas. And you know what you couldn't do? You couldn't go, hey, Rand McNally, show me the next gas station. I love the laughter at just Rand McNally, the uh, level of, of that. But so often, even electronically, we need directions. And in my lifetime, directions have gone from the Atlas or the local map. I used to be really good at maps because I delivered pizza before smartphones. And then we moved on to uh, MapQuest, where you would print off your directions. And boy, was that exciting that you didn't have to like follow with your finger and try and figure out where you were. It told you where to turn. It was awesome. And now we went to GPSs that used to sit on your dashboard and then smartphones put them out of business. But all along the way, the purpose of a map is to get from where you are to where you need to be. And if we keep in that analogy of a car, if the fuel for us is the promises of Jesus that we're trusting, seeking Jesus shows us where we need to go. It is the map that shows us the way. Now, that's not a perfect analogy, because what I don't want you to think is that all the Bible is is a roadmap to life. Because that's not just what it is. It has those promises of Jesus. It is Jesus for us in his word. But as we look at seeking, as we look at seeking after him, we look at his word and say this is where we find him. I want to break down some ideas today. And we're going to talk about how it moves from our head to our hearts, from our hearts to our hands. So it's going to be the first place we go is to say, how do I take knowledge of God? How do I know him? How do I discover deeper who he is through study, through engaging with scripture? And how does that then affect me? How does that live in my life? And then how does that move outside of myself to what I do, to who I am? So let's start off with the knowledge part, the head part. Let's read again from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I love these verses in Isaiah. And in fact, I had like the whole first half of the chapter like, that's my issue sometimes when I start planning worship, is I look at it and I go, oh, I love all 20 of these verses. And then I remember someone else has to read them. So we shorten it down. But if you want, 
verse 1 through 13 are really good in Isaiah 55. But I love this section of 6 through 9 that we read this morning. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon his name. Your ways are not my ways. The Lord looks at us and he says, listen, your ways are not my ways. My ways are different than your ways. Paul would kind of write this in a different way when he would say, no one is righteous, not even one. The first thing we realize is when we seek God, there's a disconnect. Because we as created humans can't fully fathom who God is. And I don't think we'd want to because then he wouldn't be God. Like how great would a God be that we could fully understand? And in fact, if you take that down the line and say, if I could fully understand God, then I could explain evil things that happen in the world because I understand God. I could look at evil and say, oh yeah, God's doing this for this reason. I've sat in some funerals and been heartbroken as I've watched preachers try to help people understand why people die. The best funerals I've been to have been where pastors stand in front of people and say, death is part of a fallen world. And we can't fully understand why God would call this person home. It's even harder when it's someone who shouldn't have passed away. Someone who hasn't lived a full life. Someone who is young. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So we come to the Lord, we seek after him because our hearts pull us away from him. Our knowledge pulls us from him. So we come back over and over. The idea here is is what we call the hidden God versus the revealed God. There are aspects of God that are hidden from us that we do not know. When someone asks, why did this thing happen? Why did it have to happen this way? We even see Jesus say, the rain will fall on the good and on the evil. And so for us, we look and we say there is a hidden God, a God we will never understand until Jesus returns again. But what we seek after is the revealed God. Where does God reveal himself to us? Well, it's pretty easy. That's in his word, in scripture. That we know that God has said it is breathed out by him. It is good for teaching and reproof and for growth. And so as we look and say, if I'm going to seek after the Lord, the first place I start in my seeking, in my head knowledge of him, is in his word. Why every week do we read out of the Bible? Because we believe it is God's word and it is important for us to hear that word. And we even know that Paul says, faith comes by hearing. That's why we speak it every week. And so for us, when we seek after God, when we look for him, 
We go to where he reveals himself, which is in his word. And we dive in to what he says. So hold on to that. When we think about head, when we seek after God, we start in his word. Now, what does it mean to seek God once once we have some knowledge? What does it mean to seek him with our heart? What does it mean when that that head knowledge moves into who we are? Well, in our background uh, as a church, our our, um, heritage is uh, we are a Lutheran church. So for us and who our church body is specifically, we are a German immigrant church. That's our heritage. Now, I don't know if you've ever met someone who is full-on German Lutheran, but what we like a lot in our heritage is we want the facts, we want the truth, and we are German, so we feel nothing. We bury it deep. And what happens is on one side of the coin, we can get to a point where for us, it's about, I know these things and I must know more. And I only want what I know. I don't want to feel anything. Now, on the other side of the coin, you have um, folks who are Christians who would confess and they would say, it's all about feeling. You've got to feel the Holy Spirit. If you don't feel the Holy Spirit, are you saved? We answered that question last week. You are. But it's all about feelings. Well, you want to know what will betray you real quick? Feelings. Because listen, I can tell you, just watching an Astros game, my feelings are all over the place. You can ask Chelsea, we might be having a nice dinner. We're having great conversation. All of a sudden, and she goes, what's wrong? I go, we just got a hit. We're not hitting. It's the worst. We scored 35 runs last week. We've scored four this week. But think about those things that can cause our emotions to fluctuate. You see, when we take the knowledge of God that we learn and we seek to apply it to identity, to who we are, we shouldn't throw away our feelings and say, I don't want to feel God at all. But we also shouldn't say, I trust fully in my feelings. Instead, we want to live in this tension that our head knowledge of who God is informs how we feel him. That there will be days that you walk outside and you see a sunrise and go, the Lord created this and I can't believe it. Like this was a personal gift to me. I don't care what anyone else says. This sunrise is mine. That's how deeply the Lord loves me. And there will be days where you are like, God, where are you? Where were you when this person I loved was hurt? Where were you when another financial hardship hurt, hit us? Lord, where were you? And you fill in the blank. And you see a heart that doesn't have a connection to the head will lead to self-doubt, will lead away from the promises of Jesus. We dig into a knowledge of seeking after God in his word because we there find 
the promises of who he is. It's in his word that we find the good news that Jesus is for us. That we find out that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And so we dive into his word because we want our knowledge of him and our knowledge of him in our head and in our heart to live in a tension that says, Lord, my heart would lead me astray, but you gave it to me, so it must be good. And so we learn and know him so that when we would run one way or the other, we live in a tension of our head and our heart. To say, I want to experience God in my everyday life. I want to see him at work. I want to see the simplest things and say, look at the gifts he has given me. But what I don't want is to say, my faith solely rests on how I feel about him. On the days when I can't feel him, I want to know that he is there. So we seek in his word to know his ways. To seek him where he may be found in scripture. So that we are constantly returning to him. That we know that he is for us. So we have that head knowledge of his word. It moves into our hearts to our identity of who he is. And then it moves out into the world through our hands. Now we'll really dive into that as we talk about following in a couple of weeks. But this week what I want you to think of is we, we use three questions to talk about how do we engage with scripture. Jonathan, could you throw those up for me? So we look at it as we read scripture, we say, what is God saying? Now, as we read, what is God saying? We don't want that to be absent from understanding. There's a temptation that we take God's word and we interpret it how we want it. No, when we read, what is God saying? We let scripture interpret us and not the other way around. So it's good when we ask, what is God saying? That we might dig into some outside sources. We might look and find, you know, um, a commentary or a book or something along those lines to say, how do I understand this deeper? When it comes to what is God saying, that's why I'm here. That's how I make my living. That if you come across scripture and you say, I'm not sure what this means or I'm struggling with this passage, I am an email, a text, a, I don't know what a phone call is, but I'm an email or a text away. I'll take phone calls too. But I, when it comes to those places, I am the librarian of Narrative Church, right? Either I have an answer or I know the place to go to find it. And if I haven't found it for you, bug me about it. And I'll connect you to the places where it is. But as we ask, what is God saying? We're looking to say, not only what is he saying 30,000 foot, but what is he saying in my life? Right, because scripture is alive and God breathed. It's not just a book we study and it's far up there. No, it means something for me. So what is God saying? What's he saying to me? 
And the next, what is he calling me to do, right? So it's the head, what's God saying? The heart, what's he calling me to do? If I read this scripture and it interprets me, what's, what's, God's, what's God saying to me? Now, this can be a little tricky because what we don't want it to be is, is as you read scripture, God says, I must do this, and if I don't do it, he doesn't love me. Again, let's go back to trusting, right? No, God loves you. That's, that's solid. Sanctification versus justification. So justification we talked about last week. Jesus is for you. Salvation is done. Sanctification is ongoing. That is us continually seeking him to be more and more who he created us to be. So what's God saying? What's he calling me to do? So let's just take today's verses, right? Let's look at seek the Lord where he may be found. Okay, what's God saying? Come find me. I've revealed myself in scripture. Come seek after me. Okay, so what's God calling me to do? Well, he's calling me to seek him. He's calling me to look for him in his word. So that's our head, our heart. But then we want it to move into action. A lot of people have spilled a lot of ink over verses from James that say, faith without works is dead. And people would look and say, oh my gosh, am I saved? And the answer is, thank you. If, if we had sat in silence on that one, we might have had to restart this sermon. But so you are saved. So if we look at that verse in James, faith without works is dead, we don't view it just as saying, oh no, I'm not saved. But if we say, hey, I'm not seeing the good works that God's called me to, we look and we say, okay, well then I go back to where I get faith, which is in the promises of Jesus. So then I seek after those promises. What is God saying? What's he calling me to do? And that doing may be as simple as saying, rest. Abide in my word. Abide in my comfort. Abide in my peace. It could be something as deep as saying, Lord, I, I need to be in your word. How do I do that? And that's where we get to the hands. What is your next step? Now, these three questions, I had a lot of help um, from different discipleship processes I've been a part of. Matt and I, I mean, we spent months going back and forth. How do we phrase this right? And when we say next step, the reason we say that is let's take it back to me on a hike, right? There are times when I'm on a hike where I can't think about the summit. I have to think one foot in front of the other. I just take a step. Chelsea and I went to um, Rocky Mountain National Park this summer. It was awesome. And we drove up to the Alpine Visitor Center. And when we got up there, um, we walked around. You know, it's the highest visitor center in the U.S. It's fun. It was cold. But we got to see a bunch of things. Well, then, of course, there's some stairs right next to it, right? And this is a hike to go up a little bit higher into the high tundra there in the Rocky Mountains. And I see the glimmer in Chelsea's eye. And I'm like, Lord, there are flat ground hikes in this valley below us. Just let her skip this hike. And sure enough, we're coming out, 
And she looks at me and goes, you don't have to go, but I think I'm going to go to the top of these stairs. And this isn't, you know, a couple stairs. It's like 1,500 stairs. 2,000. It could have been 10,000. It was at least 50,000 stairs. But so she eyeballs it, and I'm just like, I'm already huffing. I'm already feeling uncomfortable. I'm going, man, what are people going to think? Because I'm the guy going up slow, right? So I'm just like, okay, you go. I'll sit in the car. Or I'll just sit out here, you know. I'm just going to look out on the mountains. That's what sane people do. We just look. So she goes, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, well. And so finally, I'm like, this is for no one else. I want to impress my wife. (laughs) And I go, I'm going to take it 10 steps at a time. Just 10 steps at a time. And I took 10 steps, and I would stop, and I'd admire how far I'd come. I'd take 10 steps, and I thought, maybe I could do 15. So now I'm doing 15. Well, now here's this woman. We're leapfrogging each other, right? Back and forth, just encouragement. And it was great that I'm almost at the top, and there Chelsea turns around the corner. And she's got a big smile. I'm going, ah, ah. When I get to the bottom and read the sign, literally, Huffer's Hike. I was like, wow, I wish I had read that first. But what I realized, in all kinds of journeys I'm on, both in faith and life, where the Lord's calling me like, to focus on my own health, on my own growth, it's so easy for me, whether it be physical health, whether it be spiritual health, to look at the summit and go, Lord, I just want to be there. But just like hiking, that hike at the top of Rocky Mountain National Park, there's not an escalator. And just like that in discipleship, when we seek after the Lord, there's not an escalator. And sometimes we look at the mountaintop and we go, Lord, the map says that's where I got to go, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. And so as Matt and I talked about, we said, just one step. What is one step? Don't think about the summit because you know how you get to a summit? You just take one more step. You know how you get to being the disciple God's calling you to be? You just take one more step. So let's look at those questions then as, as we're thinking today. Seek me where I may be found. Okay, that's in his word. What's God saying? Find me in his word. What's he calling me to do? Okay, I probably need to be in his word somehow. I need to be, you know, reading scripture. I need to be finding out more. So what's the next step? And listen, simple is best. Right? Like, don't overthink it. Make it something you can measure. Make it something that you could check off because you want to look back and say, oh, I took the step. But if it were what we're talking about today in seeking the Lord, one step might just be, Lord, twice this week, I want to read my Bible for five minutes. Twice. That's 10 minutes. Do you know how many minutes are in a week? I sure wish I had thought about that example before I had written this sermon, because I'd tell you. But it's more than 10. 10 minutes. Keep it small. Because the point is, after maybe a week or two of doing 10 minutes, you're going, you know what, Lord, I can do? I can do three times a week. Well, now you're at 15. Well, maybe you're at three times a week, and you go, 
I can do, I can do 10 minutes instead of five minutes each time. Well, now you've doubled that. You're at 30. Maybe for two weeks you do five minutes twice a week and it's great. And then on the third week, you forget. Or you sleep in. Or life gets busy. Well, instead of losing control and going, Lord, I'm a horrible sinner, I'm a terrible person. No. You trust the promises of Jesus. And you go, all right. What's he calling me to do? What's he saying? What's he calling me to do? What's my next step? It is a lifetime of seeking the Lord, not a sprint. And so for us, there will be easy days. There will be hard days. But as a disciple, we seek him because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So we go to him so that he can continue to transform us. But we do it always starting with the promises. We trust the promises first that Jesus is for us. And then as we seek him, we find more and more who he is in our lives. And that makes those promises that much sweeter. There are very simple ways to do this. Every smartphone, you can download a free Bible app. I use the YouVersion app. It's, if you hop onto whatever app store you're on and you look up YouVersion, that's the app I use. That's my everyday Bible reading app. They also make paper Bibles. It's weird. but you can have a Bible with you at all times. What an incredible time to be alive that if you forget your Bible at home, you actually have it. It's with you. I've also found, for me, um, I like to slow down. And so I found this app called Abide. And so far it's about 85%, 15%. Right, 85% of it I really like, and 15% I'm like, man, that was a stinker. But it's, it's a meditation app. But what it does is it gives me, you can pay to get to higher tiers, but I'm cheap. So I do the two-minute thought. So this morning, as I was getting ready, I turned it on, and it was about contentment and discontentment. And it's specifically around money and saying, are you trying to find yourself in what you have or in the Lord? And it was two minutes. It even has a calming stream sound behind it. But it's just two minutes of slowing down and saying, I'm going to start my day even in just a small piece of the word. And you can do that. Now here's the even cooler thing. There are now tools out there that you can use free of charge to dive deeper into the word. If you're a nerd like me and you want to go and look at some of the original languages and say, Hey, what does this mean? Where can I find that? There's a site called blueletterbible.org. I was introduced to it by one of my pastors, Doyle Timer, an incredible man. And he showed me this. He showed me this website, and you can click through and you can see the original language. And you might say, well, why is that important? Well, because what I can do is I can take and look and say, okay, well, in this, you know, in this book they're using this word for love, well, I want to see where that word shows up other places. And is that 
you know, is that the Greek word agape? Is that eros? Is that, and I can kind of combine it. And that's, so, that's my nerdy seeking of the Lord, to see these different connections. We had someone very graciously purchase for us um, some copies of Portals of Prayer. Now, if you're like me, you think of Portals of Prayer and you immediately think, well, that's what my grandma uses. Now, here's the thing that I keep realizing more and more every day. My grandma was pretty smart. So Portals of Prayer, it's sitting on the table, uh, the connection table out there. Um, and what it is, it's just a daily devotion. It's usually story-based that they've had these pastors, these church workers, these lay leaders write these devotions and you can sit and you can read through it and there's one for every day. And listen, if all of them get taken, I'll buy more. A devotion is a simple way to seek the Lord on a daily basis. But as we seek him, we understand the hidden versus the revealed God. There will be ways of the Lord we never understand. But we seek him with our head, our heart, and our hands. Because as we seek him, we grow. That as we look at this map for our lives, we realize that the map is better than us just wandering in the wilderness. Because a lot of times that's what happens. We get lost. We lose our way. But the Lord calls us back time and again to seek after him. That's why we're going to work through this book together. This is part of seeking him. We're looking and saying, how can we look every day? Because one of the biggest benefits to seeking the Lord is doing it in community. Doing it together with others. To not be alone, but to rejoice in what the Lord has done. All of us together. So we seek him where he reveals himself in his word. We let that word penetrate into who we are to live in a tension of being able to feel God and rejoice in him, but resting on the promises when we don't. And then we let our seeking of him begin to change how we interact with the world. From our head to our heart, from our heart to our hands. And what you'll start finding is sometimes that'll work backwards. That when you do the things of the Lord, it'll affect your heart for him and you'll want to know more about him. Let's pray. Lord, let us seek you where you may be found. Let us call upon your name. Lord, your ways are not our ways, but we rejoice in the fact that you would reveal yourself to us. Lord, let us read your word to see what you're saying to us. To see where you're calling us to walk out and take one more step in following you. And Lord, we rejoice that we don't have to do it alone. We have your Holy Spirit and we have the saints beside us as we seek after you more and more every day. In your son, Jesus' name, amen.